everybody. Welcome to another edition of our Thursday night class. Although normally Thursday night we study the Parashat Shavua in an effort to complete the Megillat Echa by Tisha B'Av, we will replace the Parashat Shavua class this week with the fourth chapter of our series, the fourth part of our series on Megillat Echa, Bezrat Hashem, concluding the Megillah on Tisha B'Av this coming Sunday. Tonight's class is dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Max Benatar in memory of his grandmother, Esther Benatar, Zichonali Racham, in the words of Torah that we say, the inspiration that we come up with, the chizuk, um, the feelings of uh, emotion that come along with reading this Megillah, Bilu Nishmata, Tina Shatzura Bitzror HaChaim. For those of you following us uh, live um, on uh, virtual learning, um, I posted a link where you can follow the text um, with translation and with Rashi as well. Uh, for those of you who are listening on a recording in your car um, or wherever you are, uh, we are setting again the fourth chapter of Megillat Echa. Do not read and drive if you are in your car, uh, but if you are at home in your office and you're listening to this, by all means, that's what we are studying. Um, the fourth chapter of Megillat Echa, in my opinion, is the uh, provides the harshest description of um, of what takes place uh, during the, dis- the time of the destruction. Um, some of the words that we're going to read tonight are not easy to hear and not, not, uh, not comfortable to read. The descriptions that Rashi talks about, the Midrashim that are involved in these Pesukim, are ones that um, require a lot of introspection. Uh, but that's what the, that's why this Megillah is so important. That's why it is that we read this Megillah once a year on the night of Tisha B'Av. So without further ado, we are going to begin the fourth chapter. Again, Yirmiyahu Navi, the author of this of the Megillah, writes it writes the chapter in the acrostic form. So it begins with Aleph, Bet, Gimel, so on and so forth. So Pasuk Aleph for those following inside. Yirmiyahu Navi says, Echa yu'am za'am yishneh haketem hatov. Alas, the gold is dimmed. The finest gold is changed. Tishtapechna avne kodesh beros kol chutzot. Sacred stones are scattered at the head of every street. So here Rashi says, Who is this... Uh, this parak in reference to so he writes kinazu neemra al yoshiau this kina was said in remembrance or about yoshiau amelech josiah the king kemos neemar bedivra yamim halohi ketuba sefer kinot veimochi ber betocha kinat shabnetziwan along with him and the, and 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 the description of what's taking place are also the residents of tzion that being yerushalayim Yuam Zahav, Yuam Zahav is the, the gold has been dimmed. Yiche, Rashi says dimmed. Kemo da'at mitargem keha, with the Aramaic word. Zahav, marit panim hamatsiv gezahav. It's a sort of uh, appearance that is golden, that is yellowish like gold. Yishne, yishtanem marito. It has now changed its complexion. No longer does it appear um, gold, it appears differently. Haketem kevutsat keli nevei hazahav shehem laadei karui ketem. 
any group of golden ornaments is called Aketim. And who are the Avne Kodesh, the sacred stones that are scattered at the head of every street? Rashi says, Banim Hameirim Ka'avanim Tovot. These are the, the children who, are, who light up like precious jewels. Umidrash Agada, the Midrash writes, Kol Revi'it Dam Shiyatsam Yoshiyahu Mikol Chetz Vachetz Shina'atsubo. Every a measure of blood that exited Yoshiyahu, the king, with every arrow that struck him and penetrated him, Haya Yermiyahu Koverabim Koma. Yermiyahu would collect that blood and bury it in its place. And this is the meaning of that the sacred stones are scattered, meaning it was reference to the blood of Yoshiyahu, Yoshiyahu HaMelech. Um, the Midrash says another interpretation that these sacred stones allude to the to the Tamidei Chachamim, who are the stones or the foundations, um, and because of their poor lives and their destitution. They had to go out and seek their livelihood, and as a result, they were scattered at the head of, of every street. The Midrash Lekach Tov explains that this refers to the blood of the Sadiqim. The blood of the Sadiqim, the Sadiqim are compared to the sacred stones, uh, which was spilled at every street corner. Some want to derive here a very ethical lesson. Sacred stones, Avnei Kodesh, refer to man's good deeds. If those good deeds are poured out into the streets in an effort to earn honor, in an effort to earn recognition, then his motives or the motives of the person who is performing these good deeds are less pure. And as a result, the brilliance of them, the brilliance of the gold, now has been dimmed. Moving on to Basuk Bet. The precious children of Tzion, Hamsulaim bapaz, who are comparable to fine gold. Alas, they are treated like earthen jugs, work of a potter. Rashi says, Hamsulaim bapaz, the precious children who are comparable to fine gold. Hamhulalim, praised, and valued like gold. When you see them, Omeris, one says, Reuta Oram Shel Elu, look at the beauty uh, of these children. Kemar it paz, you look like gold. That's a reference of uh, of of the of these young young lads. Nivlecheres. Nivlecheres, they are treated like earthen jugs. Kedecheres shinotim baim yain, like earthenware jugs that you put wine into it. Kegon nivleyain. We see that in other in, in other places. Gam Gam Tanim Shad. Even jackals will offer the breast and suckle their young. But Amile Achzar, the daughter of my people, has become cruel. Like ostriches in the desert. Rashi says here. Even jackals will offer the breast. Even though they are cruel, they will still offer a breast. When 
when he sees his son come far in hunger, he will he will uh, reveal his his breast from uh, from uh, from inside from from what's being covered. Or something very crazy happening over here that Rashi explains. These jackals are vicious individuals. Um, but even though they're vicious, vicious, they display warmth and kindness to their young by nursing them. And Yirmiyahu here is lamenting that as a result of, of the famine that's taking place, of the ravages, these usually compassionate Jewish mothers become cruel and place their own lives before their children. They consumed whatever food was available and allowed their children to go hungry, ignoring the cries for, for food. Like Rashi says next, They see their sons and, and daughters Crying for bread, but she doesn't. She doesn't give them. As uh, uh, she doesn't give the children. Just to give herself first. She feeds herself first. So what she makes? What a decision she had to make in in that situation. And according to many commentators, the word tanim refers to the vicious enemy who is chaletzu shad will offer the breast, meaning that they force Jewish women to nurse the enemy's children with the tragic result that now they didn't have any milk left for their own children. So Jewish daughters who were unable to respond to the needs of their own children cried like ostriches in the desert, seemed to be achzar, seemed to be cruel. And that's uh, the, the meaning of the pasuk over here. Moving on to pasuk dalid. Davak leshon yonek, the tongue of the suckling cleaves to El Chikobatsama, cleaves to its palate for thirst. Olalim Sha'alu Lechem. The young children plead for bread. Poresen Lahem. And no one extends it to them, like we explained in Rashi. Ha'ochlim Lema'adanim, Pasuke. Those who feast extravagantly. Nashamu Bachutzot. They lie desolate in the street. Those who were brought up in scarlet clothing now embrace garbage heaps. Rashi says, Very, very expensive, colorful, beautiful clothing. Quoting a pasuk in Megillat Esther, that's where the word ha'emunim comes. Piles of dung. The Jews were lying on uh, outside on this on this garbage. That's what was happening. According to Midrash, they lay dead on the dung hills. Some say they went to the trash heaps to warm up because they were cold and they had no home, no 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 homes, no shelter. Some say they went there to search for food or to hide from their pursuers, who wouldn't dream that they would escape to the to the trash heaps. Moving on to Pasuk Vav. Vaigdal avon bat ammi. The iniquity, the sins of my daughter, of my people, is greater mechatat sedom. It's greater than the sin of sedom. Ha'afucha kemoraga. 
which was overturned in a moment, that's in reference to Sedom, although no, no mortal hands were laid on her. So here Rashi says, From the punishment that the Jewish people endured, we can see that their sins was worse than Sedom. Sedom ha'afucha kemoraga. Sedom was flipped over in an instant. Share Sedom lo Rashi writes, the, it wasn't prolonged. The destruction took place in a, in, a, in a moment. God came down, flipped it over, burned it to a crisp, it was done. In one moment it was turned over. And there was no enemy that went to fight Sedom. It was flipped over through angels. Some want to say, homiletically, that the severity of the sin of the Jews, of Tzion's sin, was that it was not deeply rooted. It was something that was able to be fixed. In contrast to that of Sedom, that it was deeply rooted. So the, the, the sin of Benetzion, of the Jews in Yerushalayim and abroad, they had the ability to overturn their attitudes, to change their ways, to do Teshuvah in a split moment. Yet, they did not lay their hands to, to repent. They didn't, do any, they didn't do anything to fix the situation. Moving on to Pasuk Zayin and Hayat. Pasuk Zayin says, Zaku nezirea misheleg, zahu mehalav. Her crowned ones were purer than snow, whiter than milk, admu peninim, whose complexion was ruddier than rubies, sapir gizratam, whose build was like sapphire. Rashi says, zaku nezirea, her crowned ones. Who's this? Sarea. These are the, the officers, the leaders of the Jews. Rashi says, but I think it meant to be the Nezirim, those who were the, the Nazarites. They were the people who grew their hair long. And the most beautiful. And it's in reference to the daughters of my nation. This is who, who we're referring to over here. They were... Um, uh, they They... Uh, they were the most beautiful, and now their complexion changed. Admu etzem ipeninim, otam shayu maritam edom ipeninim vegrizatam kemosakir, chasachta oram ipehamim. These people who had a, a beautiful reddish complexion with long hair now become dark like charcoal as a result of what's taking place. Mishechoru pecham, like the soot that, that comes on your hand. Those of you who like to barbecue and deal with charcoal, you know how hard it is to get that stuff off your skin? This is what they look like. Beautiful individuals were now looked like they, they, they walked out of a furnace, with the, the soot from the charcoal all over them. Um, again, their appearances become blacker like soot. They are not recognized in the streets. The Midrash tells us that Rav Tzadok, um, that the, the, the ravages of the destruction became or was so hard upon him that his body never returned to normal. Even though he lived many, many years after the destruction, 
he always looked like he was going through the destruction, physically. This is what the reference of the Pasuk is. The people weren't recognizable anymore. Um, their skin was shriveled on their bones. It became dry as wood. For those of you joining us now, again, in the chat link, you will in the chat box, you will find a link where you can follow the Psukim. Um, if you're following online. Um, so Rashi says, Tzafad is nikmat v'nitchaber v'enodimyon, shriveled, the skin becomes shriveled, like a very, very old person, where there's no, uh, again, no, you can't recognize what the person used to look like. Pasuk Tet, Tovim hayu halelecherev, now he really starts to get explicit. More fortunate were those slain by the sword than those slain by famine. For they pine away stricken, lacking the fruits of the field. So Rashi here says, Those who were stricken by the famine, they became swollen, their bodies swelled up as a result of the smell that was taking place around them. Why? The enemies would would roast meat outside the walls. And the smell would enter their the bodies of these suffering through famine, and their whole insides would burst as a result, and the feces would ooze out, and they would and they would die. Therefore, mitat nivul This death is worse than dying from from the sword. We all know the the smell of a barbecue in the summertime. Now imagine when you haven't eaten and you're dying of hunger and you smell that. It is literally deadly. And therefore, the, the death of thirst or the death of hunger is worse than, worse than being killed by the sword. Medukarim, Rashi says, Mebukaim, punctured. Makes no difference. Mitenuvot sadai, misharashim ba'asavim shemelaktim ve'ochlim, rav pirshamu ma'us. So we have to do from the, the roots and the plants that they would gather and they would eat um, uh, was, was, was uh, instead of the meat, was very, very harsh on their body. And that would cause them to die as a result of the smell also coming from the, the grilling of the meats from outside uh, over the fence. Moving on to Pasuk Yud. Yeden nashim rachmaniyot. Bishlu yaldehen, the hands of compassionate women have boiled their own children. Hayu levarot lamo, they became their food. Beshever bat ami, in the ruination of the daughter of my people. A very difficult pasuk to read. Rashi says levarot lemaachal, for food, their children as food. Lo bara otam lachem leavrot David. We see other places that the concept of levarot is a meal. When we when we when we give uh, the meal to the mourners, those that just lost, called seudat havraa. This is where it comes from. Levarot. 
So what's happening over here? A lot of different explanations, whether or not these women, the, the Pasuk tells us the women, uh, they ate um, they ate their children. Is that, that really, really took place over here? So different interpretations. The Al-Sheikh writes that, that the impending destruction, the famine of war, caused these compassionate mothers to become so depraved that their own hands boiled their children and they consumed the children without leaving flesh for other members of the family. That's how bad it got, according to the Al-Sheikh. Um, some want to say that they it wasn't that they boiled their children alive, they boiled their dead children, but they didn't murder their children. They didn't have it inside to murder their children, but once their children died from famine, that's when they boiled them. Uh, there's another Midrash that says you don't take this pasuk literally, uh, that a woman had... Um, a woman had a loaf of bread that was sufficient enough for her family, but when her neighbor's son died, she brought the loaf to console her neighbor. And that's the meaning. So the word levarot, again, seudat havra'ah, like I said, is the mourner's meal. And this was considered tantamount to boiling her children because she, she as a result, didn't give her bread to her own child, but rather to the neighbor's son. The Shelah Kados comments that this phrase also teaches us a moral lesson, criticism of, of, of being overly compassionate. Um, you know, with the, you know when, when a person is overly compassionate, you end up dis, uh, destroying. We see, of course, Shaul HaMelech was overly compassionate with, with the Amalekim. And because of that, they, they are still around. He had the opportunity to, to get rid of them, but he was too compassionate and he was rebuked for that um you know someone to say when a mother is is too easy going on their children ah, it's okay let my son sleep in he doesn't need to go to shul let my son uh, did uh, you know okay he's tired he had a long day yesterday oh, he'll go to school a little late you think you're being compassionate to your child you think you're being nice to your child but you're really destroying your child Every moment that your your son or daughter doesn't go to school every moment your son doesn't go to bed Knesset, you're you're refraining, you're holding back, you're being ma'akev, any positive, any goodness that is on, um, that, that is p- the potential for your, for, for your son or daughter. So there's destruction involved over there. Kila, Pasuk Yudalif, Kila Adonai et Hamato, Shafach Haronapo, Hashem vented his fury. Vayatset Esh Betzion, he poured out his burning anger. He kindled a fire in Zion which consumed its foundations. Uh, Rashi says, This fire that was raging for many years, now he is, he is uh, venting this fury in the vengeance that, he's taking, that, that is taking place right now. Um, the kings of the earth didn't believe, nor did any of the world's inhabitants believe that the, the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. The miraculous defeat of, of Sanchariv created the impression uh, that Yerushalayim was impregnable, that it was possible to defeat um, they didn't realize that's because the sanctity was lowered, 
and the sanctity was defiled, that became vulnerable. That was the, that's the issue. Pasuk Yud Gimel, Mechatot Nevieha Avonot Kohanea. It was for the sins of her prophets, the iniquities of her priests, Hashofchim Bekirba, who had shed Dam Tzadikim, the blood of the righteous. Rashi says, Mechatot Nevieha Shel Sheker, from the sins of her her prophets of of lying, of falsehood. That's why this evil came about. According to the Midrash, this was in reference to the murder of Zechariah, who was a prophet and a Kohen. When Melech Yoash, King Yoash, sought to introduce Avodah Zarah, idolatry, Zechariah fearlessly protested, and the king ordered that he be stoned to death in the Bet HaMikdash. According to this, the pasuk should, should, should be translated, it was for the sins against her prophets, against her koanim, that they shed in her midst the blood of the righteous. Um, moving on to pasuk Yudalid. Na'u ivrim bachutzot nego'alu badam. The blind wandered through the streets, defiled with blood. Belo yuchlu yige'u bilvushehem so that none could touch their garments. Rashi says, When the blind would walk in the, in the market, they would stagger. Their feet were staggered. They were, trying to, they, were trying, they were staggering because they felt the blood of those killed on the floor. They were trying to avoid it. These same people that the wicked were killing, they became stained and bloodied their clothing with this blood. To the point that nobody wanted even to touch their clothing. They would call out to them, Get out, move away from us. Stay away from us, you impure, dirty individuals. What are the utter hypocrisy that's taking place over the same people who spilled the blood of Zechariah and others now appear to be righteous, unable to be contaminated by this by this blood. And hence, that's what the Pasuk Tedva begins. Suru tameh, away, unclean one. Kareu lamo, that's what they called them. Suru, suru altigau, away, away, don't touch. Kinatsu gamnau, for they are loathsome and wander about. Amruba Goyim, the nations had said, Lo Yosifu Lagur, they will no longer dwell here. Kinatsu Leshon Sirchon Velichluch. It's foulness and filth. Gamnau Nishmetu Badam, they slipped in the, um, uh, uh, amongst the blood. Pasuk Tedzain, Pene Adonai Chilekam Lo Yosif Labitam. The anger of Hashem has divided them. Caring for them no longer. Pene koanim lo nasau. They showed no regard for the koanim. Uzkenim lo hananu. Nor did they favor the elders. Pene Hashem chidekam Rashi says, Panim shel zamet ha-kadosh baruchu. This face of anger from God, chidekam separated them. V'ifridam ba-goim. And allowed them to 
go meddle with the non-Jews. To the point where they showed no regard to the Kohanim. When they were when they were living in tranquility, they showed no regard for the Kohanim. Their leaders, they cared not for, so they just ended up integrating and assimilating with that with the with the non-Jews. And that's what that's why Hashem was upset. Pasuk Yudzain. Odenu tichlena enenu. Our eyes are still strained. El ezratenu havel. In vain for our deliverance. Pitzviyotenu tzipinu. El goy lo yoshia. In our expectations, we watched for a nation that could not, that could not save. Rashi says, Keshebata alenu hara'a. Adain hayu enenu tzufot el chel paro. Rashi's quotes a midrash here saying when when we were when the evil was approached us when when they were about to destroy us we still had hope in the army of Egypt the army of Paro because Egyptians were at war with Assyria so therefore they felt that they would come to their defense that's what the pasuk says Ishayahu, that that the Egyptians will come and help. They promised us help, but they didn't come. Like the Pasuk says, in the quotes, So what's the Midrash here? Why didn't the Egyptians help the Jews while they were going through, while they were suffering, while they were getting beaten? Unbelievable Midrash Rashi brings down. The Egyptians were actually on the way to help B'nai Israel. They were on the boats in the sea traveling to, to, to defend allies, so to speak. God made it that floating on the water were skeletons. They looked like inflated flasks, but they were skeletons of bodies floating. They said, the Egyptians said to one another, These skeletons were our forefathers. Our forefathers that drowned because of these Jews, in reference to Kriyat Yamsuf. We are going to now go and help them? When they killed our forefathers, they turned the boat around and they went back to Egypt and they did not fulfill the promise to help um, B'nai Israel. Unbelievable. Um, they never came to save them and, uh, and they left them there. Tzipinu chikinu. This is what Rashi says. They, we, we waited there. We hoped for salvation, but it never it never came. Yud Chet. Tzadu Tzadenu. They dogged our steps. Milechet Birchovotenu. So we could not walk in our streets. Karav Kitzenu. Our end drew near. Malu Yamenu Kiba Kitzenu. Our days are filled, for our end has come. And here Rashi says, They stalked our steps. Of walking in our streets. They ambushed us, basically, according to Rashi. So when a Jew went to the market, 
they would pounce upon him, screaming, there goes a Jew, there goes a Jew, go get him, go get him, go beat him. This is what was taking place at the time of the destruction. Pasuk Yudet, Kalim Hayurod Fenu, Minishre Shalim. Our pursuers were swifter than eagles in the sky. Alhearim de Lakunu Bamidbar Arvulanu. They chased us in the mountains, ambushed us in the desert. Pasukaf. Um, the breath of our nostrils, Hashem's anointed, Nilkad Bishkitotam was caught in their traps. Asher Amarnu Betzilo Bagoim. He under whose protection we had said we would live among the nations. Who's this Mashiach Hashem? Rashi says, Who Yoshiau? This is Yoshiau Amelech, the King Josiah. In the pits that they dug, that they dug for us. All of the interpretations of who this Mashiach Hashem is. Um, again, Rashi quotes the Gemara that it was Melech uh, Yoshiau, like we started, that this whole parak is a, a lament for uh, for him. Um, some want to say that the reference is to Tzidkiyahu. Tzidkiyahu was the Melech of Yehuda, who survived the initial siege and... Uh, and uh, desperately fleeing in the plains of Yericho, he was captured by the Kasdim, and he was blinded and carried off to Babel in chains. Um, some say that this may even refer to Gedaliah ben Achikam, who was appointed governor over the remnant of Yehuda after the destruction of the Bet Amidash. But as we know, Tzom Gedaliah, he was uh, subsequently assassinated. Pasukaf uh, Aleph. Sisi vesimhi bat edom. Rejoice and exult, daughters of Edom. Yoshevet be'eretz Uts, who dwell in the land of Uts. Gam alaych ta'avor kos. To you too the cup will pass. Tishkeri vetidari. You will become drunk and you will vomit. So this. Pasuk, Sisi Vesimchi Bat Edom. There's a double lashon of rejoicing here. You have Sisi Vesimchi. So Rashi says, um, Here, Yirmiyahu is alluding to the second destruction. Obviously, Yirmiyahu lived during the first destruction. That's what he's talking about here. But he's in the fact that he's saying Simchi Bat Edom that the daughter of Edom will also rejoice. He is alluding to the the destruction of the second temple, which will be destroyed by the Romans. Sisi uh, Simchi. However, nevertheless, Lefisha'a, it is temporary. Avalsof, uh, you will get your, you will exult, you will be happy at our destruction. Avalsofcha. But your end, you will also be served this wine of destruction and suffering, and you will become drunk from it. Rashi says, you will vomit. Tam avonech batzion lo yosif lehaglotech. Pakad avonech bat edom. Your iniquity has finished. 
he will not, uh, O daughter of Tion, he will not exile you again. He remembers your sin. He will uncover your sins. Here Rashi says, You have been struck for all your sins. He will not continue to exile you. In reference after Edom, which is in the exile that we are in now, there will be no further exile. This is it. This is the end. Midrash notes that uh, all the miseries and all the calamities that are related in this book, Megillat Echa, were better for Yisrael than the 40 years during which Yirmiyahu prophesies. Uh, because, because of the Churban, because of the actual destruction, all the sins, Tam Avonech, were, were finished, were concluded. Lo Yosif Od And therefore, he will not exile you again. Um, one of the interpretations of Gilal Chatotaich, of he will uncover your sins. Uh, one say, some say that he will withhold punishment in the future, uh, which is uh, which is seems to contrast Hashem's reactions to both Bnei Israel and that of Edom. The implication is that Bnei Israel absorbs the rebuke, the chastisement with love and acceptance, and that's how they earn atonement. Edom, on the other hand, which they will be punished in the future, like Yirmiyahu said, complains and curses when they have to suffer for their sins, and that's how their um, their sacrilegious hearts will be exposed. The Khatam Sofer says that some non-Jews often plot to damage Jews, but their plans are foiled. How many times have we seen you know, terrorists trying to attack uh, the Jewish people in all parts of the world, but their plans are foiled. Uh, since non-Jews are held accountable, even if their plans fail, even if their plans are unrealized, um, when when Edom will be judged in the future, Hashem will reveal all of those conspired schemes. And that's the reason of He will uncover your sins. Everything that you plan to do to us, that you weren't successful and doing, Hashem will reveal it in front of in front of you when it comes to your day of judgment, Bene Edom. And thus, uh, this pasuk closes the fourth chapter with the prophetic consolation, the Nechama, that the worst of Hashem's anger and wrath upon the Jewish people has now passed, and that is now time for the day of judgment belonging to the children of Edom, the Goyim, who are um, unfortunately still in control and where we are still subjugated under their Galut, Galut Edom. Bezrat Hashem, on Sunday, Tisha B'Av, at 12.30, I invite you all to join me as we conclude Megillat Echa, the fifth chapter. Thank you all for joining tonight. Have a wonderful evening ahead.